Hello, everybody that still listens to this. Hello. Welcome back to this podcast, to this effort of talking about music, talking about how that particular piece of music affect me and my visions on it. Thank you for considering my my takes. Something worthy of your time and attention, which might be, might be not. I am not sure. That will not prevent me from doing anyway. You know, doing it <laughs> anyway. Decided to do a couple of different things with this. First thing foremost, just do a, a, a more extended first, first uh, like speech or such thing. Just try to, to to open something more to a reflection, like a personal reflection. Not necessarily just speaking about and how an album affects me or what do I think or what's the influence and just number of tracks and runtime and who plays the the dramas you know that that sort of thing because I've been making those uh, these podcasts episodes this podcast episodes like for a little bit more than a year now and I haven't released any of them still mostly because I've been focused on producing producing collections of tracks at one given moment and that's kind of sort of the thing that takes the like the time that should be you know dedicated to to doing those and 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 evolving this if you listen to them linearly you're gonna you're gonna you know understand kind of what it what's what's the time frame there and what what I'm talking about and what's the what's the pickle that I have with that sort of thing um it's basically a b project in my estimation because making the music has showing to be more productive and to be easier and you know i have the mask of the sounds that i put out so that's kind of prevents any any sort of self-criticism to become a a halting force in my in, in me putting myself forward in that way i'm not necessarily putting my self forward in the music because i have the 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 instruments there, the the whole thing they can be a thing on the on the on their own, right? They can speak for themselves. And I speak for myself, right? When I'm doing this sort of thing. So there it's a, it's for someone that doesn't do that or never did that in a in a very big scale, it's rather intimidating to just go through a uh, effort to 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 start putting things like regularly and understanding that you know it's although I'm great at it 
English is not my first language. You know, I'm pretty, pretty, I'm pretty fine with English, but it's very noticeable that it's not, you know, what I was born speaking, well, I wasn't born speaking it, but it's not my native, native language. So there's some sort of insecurities over there as well. And I don't feel entirely worthy of understanding that being recognized and, and getting good in something like this would be deserving. I don't know. Because I don't probably don't see this as much of an effort to begin with. So yeah, that's kind of where I stand. This is, I think, believe this is the 40th episode that I've recorded. Uh, I don't intend on canceling any of them or, or getting rid of any of them or maybe trying them again. No, it's for the, the, four, the 40th four episode. Okay, so I did a bunch in January there. I did three in January. It was quite of a... No, not really. Yeah, just two in January, okay. Um, it was a tumultuous time, that period. But anyway, it's a... I'm, 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 I'm back at it. I'm back at it. So I... I all of the projects that I want to do, they don't ever start happening. Only the ones that I'm fully responsible for actually do get some traction because that's the project the projects that i have to to get a get a you know get a grip in it um i about a month ago i had like a re realization that putting myself putting myself out there through others just waiting for other people that i deem like that it would be worthy to to produce something with, um, waiting for that particular person or sometimes hypothetical person to show up, it's very damaging and it is procrastinating in a very sophisticated manner. So I will probably treat both of those projects to, to the same degree and to the same capacity. And expanding my own thoughts on, on, you know, what I'm at. I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. Anyway, it's, it's all, sort of, all sorts of things, right? But I will probably try to get, in a way, try to make this evolve more than it has been lately. Because it's, it's since November 21 that I've started or maybe even before that. And, you know, it's mixed feelings about it, of course, but if I'm sitting on something and I'm not doing anything about it, you know, nobody would care if my podcast is shitty or not. You know, nobody would care. And I guess that's the main lesson right now. And it's not nobody would care in a, in a, in a, in a pity party sort of thing. It's just... Yeah, nobody will care. If you're, if you're not, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? You got what I mean, right? You understand. 
it was Mark. It was Mark Kidd. I guess that well, I don't have anything else to say about that. I'm just um, at the moment in a in a perpetual in between job sort of thing. Um, I will have to get back to hospitality eventually and work in a kitchen again. The probably this is an interesting part of the thing, right? Probably interesting to to touch on that. I recently made a move from kitchen to retail didn't quite pan out the way that I was um, hoping to pan out. Uh, I was hoping on staying at least one year and actually making some decent money. Uh, I'm neither making decent money or staying a whole year. So I will be back working on a coffee place or a restaurant because that's, that's how the, 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 the processes of getting visas here, uh, that's how they work. And you have to pull your punches in a specific profession that people want, and do the other stuff, you know. In the meantime, um, I've been quite busy, and I've been quite. I guess this is very, very, very recent news, right? Because I, I had that sort of feeling in January, but uh, a few more things happened since then. Then. Um, that adjusted my perspective. I, I, it pains me to say this, right? But I did have a heartbreak. It was very weird that I can even call it a heartbreak. But yeah, I'm, I'm fucking, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a normal person. So yeah, I'll probably call that a heartbreak. And when you don't have anything, you know. The tiniest of cracks can 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 be deemed as a as a break as a heartbreak. So I met someone. I was um. It was surprisingly enough that I was happily surprised that I that I actually got so along with that particular person and context you know i believe so i hope that i never did anything um entirely shitty to have but yeah context i think you know timing was not on our side at all and i didn't uh, i didn't get very happy with that thing which was part of my immaturity and part of my Part of my battle with that sort of stuff, you know. And I, after, after everything was settled, I try to get back in contact. I try to, you know, make make something appear again, even if it was just a sense of that that was a, a worthy, at least, relationship to, no relationship i mean friendship right something someone that i could just uh keep close enough you know but that that wasn't received very very happily by by her which is understandable so she just decided to 
to block me and and and, and that was deserving and that was the, the the thing that i was looking for i guess um because it was a bit of a stubbornness in my my getting back in touch you know it was it was a it was a miscalculated movement and didn't respect her boundaries and and it got weird enough that she, not that i i didn't get weird with her i think i was just transmitting that i look i felt a connection that i, I don't want to let go you know i at least want to at least want the personal connection to you to stay kind of you know still simmering still alive like the personal connection maybe the romantic capacity of it is just it was just too overbearing to ignore and and i was given a reason that i i should have listened to it more attentively and i didn't and i and i did pay for that for the for that sort of thing in retrospect now and i'm really sorry that i had to you know get that mark on my belt with that particular person to which i was very grateful to to have connected in in, in any way and who knows how big of a connection we would have right who knows how big of a connection we will have that's just something that would never be understood but it, it, it was it was fun to see wow jesus i have the capacity of having a connection with someone wow <laughs> which was something very very seldom in recent times especially when you change your whole life to another country and it's just, wow, I'm just constantly on a party that I don't know anybody. And it's very hard for me to connect anyway. So when you find someone who truly does connect with you and you just let go a little bit, you know, just kind of aimlessly just, oh, okay, so I'm, fuck, I'm I'm connected. I'm connected to you. So please, just take me somewhere. You know, I think I've kind of did that, and she did take me somewhere that I also went on my own fruition. But anyway, and it got romantic. And oh no, this is just not possible. And it's it was shit. It was shit. It was shit that it wasn't possible. But I still having a hard time to let go of things. I still have uh, a big affection towards her. And I hope that she's doing great. And I hope that I don't... I, don't, I hope that she leaves my head anytime soon, you know? Because, yeah. It's fucking, it fucking sucks to have someone. Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's fine. I'm getting there. I'm omitting some details because, you know, I don't want to 
Yeah, I'm getting there. It's it sucks. Okay, let's. I I think that's it. And um, my my main battle now is just generate generating some value towards my my own living situation to generate value towards my routine and I fell in love with cooking again in a big sense uh, if it was for the painful brokenness of every you know if, if I didn't have the financial financial situation that I have right now I would probably even be even more proactive in terms of cooking she has been pretty cool lately. But yeah, uh, I can't just make any purchase. You know, I have to kind of limit it and be really, really strapped for the most part with that because it's really bad. And that adds to the to the whole, you know, if if only I had like grips on that at least, but I don't. So that also kind of informs the 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 dread of being alone essentially which is not you know being alone and being poor it's not fun but i i know that i have support i know that i have you know that things are somewhat looking up and i hope that eventually i can get a little bit more wind on myself I think that's uh, kind of what I say all the time. But it's true. All right. I sound like a, I sound like a downer, man. Come on. All right. 217 is the number of the record that we are talking about today. So 217. Let's see what's in store for us. Frank Sinatra and Antonio Carlos Jobim. That's their one and only album from 1967. And it's a beauty of a record. It's a record that I, I was listening to a podcast recently. And I started just talking shit about Sinatra and how crooning was easy. It was a, it's a comedy podcast. It's like Shane Gillis's podcast. And it was it was a fun take that crooning is easy and Frank Sinatra is just not that great. He's clearly like a like one of the biggest figures in in American um, history, even right. But music history, I mean, it's up there with Elvis and Miles Davis and and you know who who else? You know, I think that's from that particular pop music from this era uh, from the 50s and the 60s from his era from Elvis's era and from uh, Frank Sinatra's era as well I think there's no I mean they are, they are the they are the biggest stars right and Frank was even even um, big before Elvis he was always like a like a swing and a jazz hero more of a swing you know, at the beginning there, I think he dabbled in uh, country to some extent, but not very much. Uh, you can put Johnny Cash in that category as well, of like American um, singer-songwriters or music figures that are, are almost like, they are untouchable, right? 
what we have here it's basically the swan song of bossa nova it's the i think this record in a way it says goodbye to the 60s in a very classy and and sophisticated manner um it's kind of the like the the the, the geezers saying goodbye because you know the the other the other like music figures were taking over everything your doors your rolling stones your beatles you know it was all already fully fledged uh, like the the pop music ethos and imagination was captured by the british invasion up until that point in 66 67 uh revolver and rubber Stone for me are like flipping points of that sort of thing so you can time time frame wise you can say that and what we have here it's a collection of songs mainly by jobin most of them are, are are i think there are three or four i think uh, yeah well maybe i think two are standards and one is like something that frank sinatra already sang and all the rest were like classics from the the the, the bossa nova era that you know jean Gilberto used to used to do and and recorded uh astrid Gilberto and who else has like well and jobin of course the, the things they re-recorded that he recorded before and things they re-recorded afterwards like Girl from Ipanema and Corconvado, uh, which I don't remember the, the name in English. I'm trying to refrain from looking at track lists and getting sucked into that whole thing of just comparing and fact-checking myself because I think that's just very distracting. And I'm just going with my own brain. And if I say something wrong, I say, I say something wrong, you know? So you have that track list of 10, 11, very well produced. I mean, that's the state of the art, like the best orchestration that you could ask of someone in Hollywood. I, I believe it was, oh, it was recorded in Germany and it was recorded in the States. And it might have been recorded someone in, in Brazil as well. Although I doubt, because Frank Sinatra wouldn't go to Brazil, I think. And I I know that they didn't record separately because there are pictures of those two singing and playing together. It there is a very it was a very heavy documentation of that of that album because it was something akin to a super group there that got together and and decided to to you know record some some and they they did like a a length uh, a lengthy. Uh, recording section because the, the there is a special box I think with forty songs or something like that, and you have a very like own character. If it's, uh, speaking of Frank, well, Frank Sinatra, you have own, a very own character, Frank Sinatra. I think that he fits um, with most things like his style of singing and his style of. Um, Oh, his the the the, the timbre of his voice, you know, the 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 silkness of his voice suits very well 
like the style of composition that that Jobin brought to the table, like the the, the sort of instrumentation that Bossa Nova has typically. It's things that Frank Sinatra was doing in a more Americanized version. If we were, by we I mean Brazilians, right? Uh, if Brazilians were influenced by samba and and somewhat like the 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 style of Chorinho, which is which is a it's a, it's a very guitar driven style of of kind of jazz, kind of blue, kind of blues in a, in a sense, but with the samba with the more percur percussive and 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 high tones of of melodies. Uh, Frank Sinatra was equally inf influenced by jazz and also blues and swing and the, the whole sort of thing and rock and roll to some extent as well and all that. Um, his style of instrumentation was jazzy, which both of them like drank from that same fountain, like f f with the jazz and then with samba playing a part as well, although Samba doesn't show up at all in this album. It's more about the translation, and even in the Bossa Nova originals, I mean, Samba wasn't like a very, very intense uh, part of the DNA of the, of the style. It's just, if percussion shows up, if some, element, if some more early elements show up in the, in the music, Samba is there to kind of play the, the, the particular role, right? Which is the African roots and that sort of thing. With Frank Sinatra, jazz plays that part. So, in a sense, they are very well connected. Um, Brazilian music from the 60s and 50s, 50s and 60s, it, it had that particular brand of, of sound and, and, and feeling to it. Very, very subtle and, and delicate sort of composition, sort of delivery, a very hushed, you know, very, very simple, very, very um, poetic ways of, you know, like simple poetic ways of looking at things and describing a theme. That was Brazilian music up until that point. The combination with Frank Sinatra's work brings that to a whole other level of sophistication. I tend to place and I tend to think of this particular album as the like the final the final hooray of the old guys, you know, because it's the most kind of mature and I do believe I can say and I can think that it's the is it, it, is the most mature and fully formed form of either Frank Sinatra's work and Bossa Nova as a whole. So after that, everything else was, you know, degrees of decay from this particular album. Frank Sin Francis Albert Sinatra and Antonio, Antonio Carlos Jobim of 19, 1967. Things going for it. They are very positive, of course, the whole, everything that I just said right now. Uh, the sophistication and the beauty of the, of the melodies, the orchestrations, and putting those simple, uh, syncopated, and, and very delicate um, 
melody compositions of Jobim in a very sumptuous and opulent instrumentation and that being topped with Frank Sinatra's voice is the most justice I've seen being done by both of for both of those characters in music and for I believe for Bossa Nova as well I think if you look at this album in the frame of Bossa Nova and what Bossa Nova was becoming in the end of the in the end of the 60s this is clearly like the the I wouldn't say nail in the coffin it's it's swan song it's like a last a last you know a last breath of like Bossa Nova was there it was a sensation uh people you know all around it they, they love it you know and rightly so it's a beautiful genre to get your hands in in and in, in, in enjoy uh, especially with the whole you know with folk being such a such a huge part of the of the music lexicon uh from ever since the the early 2000s right uh, it's a lot of things that you chew on that, that can sound familiar to someone that really likes, like, you know, I don't know, Kings of Convenience, you know, or, you know, Nick Drake, or, anyway. Uh, there's a lot of folk stuff that can be mirrored by, by, because in a way, Bossa Nova is a type of folk music from Brazil. And downsides, it's not imaginative, it's not experimental, it's not like high energy it doesn't need to be any of that it's just pristine beauty and pristine you know it's an amazing album it's a great album and it, it flies it flies really really well as well if you know you listen to it and just oh and you get trapped you get captured and it's, it's such a beauty it's such an amazing album it's my my favorite thing from one of my favorite albums from the 60s I would say I think that easily top 5 from the 60s I think is a marvelous marvelous wonderful oh that's uh, that's uh, George Bert. um yeah it's a mar it's a marvelous effort and he has the orchestration from the guy I think they orchestrated Eleanor Rigby and the whole Beatles Beatles uh, the the more um, orchestrated part of some Beatles songs, it was the same guy that did that. It was like just like a like a maestro of that that era, like a Leonard Bernstein of that era. He was like close something. Schultz, I don't know. Whatever. He's the guy that that that, that did the orchestration, and he was a frequent collaborator of Frank Sinatra. Um, I definitely certain of that information that's it beautiful album i revisit like constantly i come back to it and i just like living in it i had it in vinyl i left in brazil unfortunately i had a german pressing of that particular album that i regretfully left behind who knows when they will reunite with my 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 venues my vinyls and yeah amazing hybrid of american traditional styles from the 50s and 60s and brazilian styles from the 50s and 60s in the most mature 
in sophisticated manner that it can, I think, ever be done. I know that there are some very good Jobin albums from that particular era. He became very jazzy, and his voice is not the best. So his strength was always in the orchestration of stuff and his uh, compositional styles. You always rely on better vocalists to be ves vessels from, for his songs. I know that his ten he tends to be mainly instrumental, uh, at least from like 65 onwards, you know. But yeah, and I do believe Umir Diodato also has something to do with that album. He's a very, very, very prominent jazz, jazz and 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 classical. He he treads the line between classical and jazz all the time. That particular, and I know that he produced and played in a lot of Jobin's records. He's a very important figure in Brazilian music. Uh, anyway, that's it. I think that I ran out of steam now, and I will. And I will stop when I do. So, yeah, bye-bye. See you next time.